Emma is here today, and she is here today because God has healed her completely of the migraines. He's absolutely healed her. And uh, I asked her if she wanted to testify, and the last thing Emma wants to do is come up in front of anyone and testify, but she said that I could share this with you. We're in a series right now on seeing the unseen and, and really knowing that there's more than meets the eye. And we had a, quite a prayer meeting at our house yesterday, but Emma received healing and it came twofold. And I want to share this with you. Um, she's, for those of you that don't know, and I think most of you do, she has been in a, a basically a constant, she had been in a constant migraine for 13 days straight. The only relief that she had was at the emergency room last Sunday uh, when they were hitting her up with the stuff, shooting it into her system, and it gave her about an hour of relief. And on the way home from the hospital, the migraine was completely back. Uh, had an MRI this week. It's been a real, it's been, a, been, it was a tough week at our house. And how many parents would prefer to go through sickness than to have your kids go through sickness? So you know what I'm talking about. It was, it was a tough week. The week. We had a prayer time yesterday, and the healing came in two ways. First of all, we've talked in this series that spirits of infirmity get assigned to us to bring sickness to the body of Christ. And as we prayed over Emma, one of the things that she was feeling was literally like somebody was piercing into her temples, just stabbing her in her temples. And I don't know how, how detailed I should get, but the Lord used a couple of different people that literally saw in the spirit an infirmity literally trying to poison her. And they spoke against that, and as they prayed over her, that spirit was broken, and when that broke, that piercing instantly left. And I would say about 75% of the headache was gone right then. Um, we broke it, you felt it break. As I saw Emma's eyes change, her shoulders came back, there was a different feeling in our house. Okay, there was a different feeling in our home. So we experienced a great healing, but we still needed complete healing. And I have a friend, he's a youth director in Ohio, in a town, Newcomerstown, Ohio, and I felt that I was supposed to reach out to him yesterday. So I gave him a phone call and said, I don't know if you know what's going on, but Emma's been battling migraines for about two weeks straight, and I felt like I was supposed to call you to pray over her. He said, Pastor Brad, I didn't know why, but two weeks ago, the Lord led me to start reading everything I could about the human brain. He said, I've been reading it and going, why am I reading everything about the brain? And he said, I'm supposed to, he said, now I know why. I've been home all day. My wife and I, we've been praying, knowing God had us praying today. We're supposed to make a declaration for her physical healing. Emma told me, she said, dad, I believe it's spiritual and physical. Trevor's like, I believe I'm supposed to declare healing over her physical body. And I thought, well, that works since we just had spiritual deliverance. So he called our family. I was on my way to minister in St. Louis last night at a different church for them. And God did amazing things there. Oh, yeah, I, like Beth said, he, this, he doesn't have Facebook discernment. He's not on Facebook. I mean, he's really hearing from the Lord. So he called them at the house. They put him on speakerphone. He began to declare the things that he had been studying the Lord was giving to him. Well, he didn't know the results of our MRI, but he hit those things as he started making his declaration. And a minute and a half or two minutes into his declaration, Emma, when it's completely gone. The headache completely gone. She is here today, headache free, because God is a healing God. It's a healing God. 
The spiritual and the physical go hand in hand. I repented to my family yesterday, and I repented to the first service this morning. And even though they're not as holy as you latecomers are for the second service, I feel like I should repent to you as well. The Lord really showed me that I opened the door in my own home for the enemy to do a number on my daughter because I had partnered with discouragement through our process of getting the building that God has for us. And I really have allowed discouragement to kind of land in my heart and to land in the home. How many know the enemy uses discouragement as a tool? He uses it. And we, God, has a building for Faith Chapel. God has provided a benefactor that wants to purchase that building for Faith Chapel, and the enemy is not going to be able to block what God has for Faith Chapel. And so I, I just repent for allowing discouragement, not only in my own home, but if I've allowed it in our spiritual house, okay, I just repent to you. And I'm not going to throw myself on the ground and, and beat myself up with a stick, but to repent means to turn and get it going the right way. Discouragement is out. It is ousted. I walk in the encouragement of the Lord, and I trust that God's got this under control. He's got it under control. And I partner in prayer with him, but I know that the enemy's not going to block not only the building, but what God has for our entire community. Okay? So I just, I just want to share that with you, and I hope that you receive that from me. Okay? And if you feel like, uh, you, hey, blame, this is the one time for the last couple months, if you feel like you haven't been able to get something out of your house, blame PB. All right? <laughs> but that's done today. Now you've got to own it. And if there's stuff going on in your house, man, just take your authority and get it out. Now, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. In the first service, I reviewed, and we just showed all of the things that we've learned up to this point. We don't have that kind of time right now. So we are dropping down to our 16th point in this series, 16 points, this series when we're talking about healing. Um, I will let you know, people have asked, uh, we don't know what happened to the archives of the messages on the web stream and on the app for your mobile devices, but they are all back. So we don't know why they disappeared, but we do know they're all back. Pastor Tony was working with those that take care of that, and uh, he got them moving. So if you're wanting to catch up with the archives, it is all there. It is available, whether it's your mobile device or your computer. So we're going to pick it up here. For those of you that are coming in for the first time today, um, just to let you know, we've been focused on a series entitled More Than Meets the Eye. Because we operate not only in a physical world, but a physical and spiritual world that are going on in simultaneous existence. And too many times, we focus on what we can see. It's really natural to be able to do that, right? We're living in a seen realm and we focus on that, but we need to learn how to focus on the unseen and to hear what you don't hear necessarily with your natural ears, so we've been focusing on that as well. And in that, we got in this cul-de-sac. We're traveling down this, this avenue of more than meets the eye. And we kind of turned in this cul-de-sac about healing. And we've spent a lot of time talking about the different way God gives healing. How many believe that God's the healer? How are you enjoying discovering all the different ways that he gives healing? Okay, so let's pick it up at point 16. We're gonna talk about the power of agreement bringing healing. So God, I just ask, I ask that you'll be glorified in this moment. I ask that you'll communicate what we need from you. 
And I ask God that these principles, they wouldn't just be learned, but they would be caught in our spirit, man, and that you would use us to release them on others in Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says this. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, this comes at the, inter- at the end of a really interesting moment Jesus has with his disciples. Did you know that it's possible for Christians to get off course in their walk with the Lord? Did you, did you know that? I, none of us ever have, but have you ever seen somebody else do that? Get off, tra- get off target a little bit? And God's word gives a great remedy on how to handle these things. It says stuff like this. If you see that your brother's in sin, and what does sin mean? Miss the mark. If you see your brother's missing the mark, go to your brother. Try to help him get back on target again. How many of you have ever had to look to someone when you were lost? Or you were turned around? Now, Moses never did. That's why the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness. Guy refused to stop and ask for some directions, right? Okay, that's a man for you. But there are times in life where you need to get a little guidance in a little direction. And God's given this beautiful thing that if you've got a brother that's, that's missing the mark, you go to them. And you go to them because you want to help them get back on target. Now, what you don't do is go to other people about them. Okay? For whatever reason, that became religion's way. But relationships way is to go to that person directly. This stuff doesn't help. It happened at Faith Chapel years ago. We dealt with the spirit of gossip a long time ago. But there used to be a day when somebody would come to me and say something like, did you know so-and-so's got this going on in their life? I think that you should go to them. And I would say, well, how come you didn't go to them? And they were like, well, I don't really feel like it's any of my business. And then I would say, well, then why are you talking to me about it? Okay, if it's none of your business and you came to me, it's not any of my business either. Now, if it's none of your business, why did you even observe it? Because the reality is, if you don't mind me going there, it is your business. If you see a brother off target, if you really consider them a family member, it becomes your business. And it's not your job to go and narc on them or, I wish somebody else could talk to them because I'm just not very confrontational. I just, it, no, because of relationship, you go. And you go to somebody that you're not mad at. Go to somebody that you care about and you say, hey man, we've known each other for a while. And from my observations, it looks like you're struggling in this area. Can I help you? And you know what I found in my life? That lots of times when I go to people, there's something that's amazing. People are actually honored that you came. And they'll say, I am struggling with that. Can you help me? That actually really does happen. I also know there are some times that it doesn't. I remember when I went to Adam Arnold. Do you remember this, Adam? I I told you eventually we'd have to bring it out. I went to Adam, hard-hearted. I mean, you all know him. I'm trying to steer him, bring it. He would not receive correction. So then I had to go and get a couple of other people. And we went and we said, man, we love you. He's like, no, you don't. Right? He resisted. Now, if I go to him and he resists, and a couple of us go to him and he resists, you know what God's word says? I know we don't do this because this is God's word and that would be crazy. God's word says you go before the congregation. Now we see this as church discipline and the Lord sees it as church restoration. That if Adam has got so far off track and he was 
and we're actually concerned about his soul, God's word says, if he didn't receive you, if he didn't receive the team, bring him before everybody, not so that we can humiliate him and embarrass him, but so that we can say, man, we love you. Come on, let's walk this out. Don't go back that way. It's that, that path leads to destruction. But you know what God's word says? If he won't even receive that from the whole congregation, I love this, finally. God's word says, if he doesn't receive it, treat, receive it, treat him the same way that you would a tax collector and a pagan. Finally. Thank you. Now we can condemn him. Amen? We loved him through three good tries and it didn't work. Now I'm to treat him as a tax collector. I mean, those guys are suckers. Can I get a hallelujah on that? Right? And a, back when I was growing up, we didn't call them pagans. We called them heathens. But we didn't really say heathen. We put a little R in it. They were a heathern. How do you know that a heathen that becomes a heathern is going to twice hell, right? I mean, that's a heathern right there. How do you treat tax collectors and sinners? Well, how did Jesus treat them? He healed them. He went into their home. He loved them. So if I go to Adam and he rejects it and Pastor Josh and a few of us go to Adam and he rejects it and we bring him up before the congregation and he rejects it, you know what the Lord is telling us? Treat him as a lost person that needs to be found. Love him that way. And as a matter of fact, if you'll do that, whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. Bind the promises of God to his life. Bind the grace of God to his life. It's already being done in the heavens. Let's see it in the natural. And the Bible says, and again I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about any one thing, it shall be done. In other words, if you'll come into agreement about this lost brother that has slid away from the community and from the fellowship, if you'll come into agreement, there's nothing that God's not going to do in his name. But this principle applies to everything, everything. If we will come into agreement, if we will bind it. Now, I was brought up in the church. We didn't even know how to interpret binding and loosing. How many of you ever went to an old Pentecostal church and they bound and loose stuff? They didn't even know they were binding and loosing, right? I remember, you know, Brother Shundai praying over me. Oh, God, I bind it. And Sister Hyundai's praying over me. Oh, God, I loose it. So I was like stuffed and runny at the same time. Have you ever been there, right? Am I binding? Am I loosing? I don't really get this. Do I need a laxative? What's taking place around here? Okay. When we talk about binding, if you look in the scriptures, God's word says that you bind his promises to your forehead. You bind them to your hand. You bind them to your home. There is an imagery of take God's word and wrap it so tightly around your life that it can't get away. Now, the religious crowd took that and they started making phylacteries. How many of you have never heard of a phylactery? Okay, if you've heard of the ascetic Jews, the Jews that really walk closely with God, have you ever seen pictures of them wearing a leather box on their forehead? You thought, what on earth is that? That's a phylactery. And they put a little scroll of the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. They take a little scroll, they put it in that leather box, and they strap it to their head so that God's word is ever before them. How do you know that's not what God was shooting for when he said to bind it to our head? Okay? But we need the promises bound to our mind, bound to our soul, bound to our body, okay? The power of agreement brings healing. If we will come into agreement for a brother that's been lost to be restored, they'll be restored.
If we'll come into agreement for a nation that's lost to be restored, a nation can be restored. If we'll come into agreement for healing that has been lost to be restored, it can be restored. The power of agreement brings healing. Here's a thought. Impossibilities vanish when God's people see the power of agreement in prayer. Impossibilities vanish. No wonder the enemy would prefer for us to be divided. He knows what's ha- what happens when we're united. He knows it. I'm telling you what, when Beth and I are in agreement about something, as my grandpa used to say, Katie bar the door, and I don't even know what that means. But we're stubborn. We're not stopping. We've pastored a church in a community, a church that's full of religion, or excuse me, a community that's full of religion and full of tradition, a, a, a community that is stolen from the house of God over and over again. You can even research it in the history of O'Fallon, how property that belonged to nonprofit and belonged to the church was taken by local government. There's been thievery against God's house from the moment this community had, has been established. And you've got to have somebody with some resolve. You've got to have people with some resolve to say, you know what, the enemy's not stealing anymore. And he's not going to steal the promises for our community. Did you realize that we're one of the few churches in our community that actually preaches on the gift of healing? And I'm not throwing condemnation about what they do preach. I'm just saying we're one of the few that preach for the gift of healing. We have a community of people that need to receive healing. We've got to be stubborn about this stuff. We've got to come into agreement and say, you know what? No matter what we face, God's word is true. Let God be true. Every man a liar. And if we'll come into agreement, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. Here's another thought. The possibilities can vanish when God's people can't see the power of agreement in prayer. If we're divided, it changes everything. It does. There is something beautiful in the way that God has set this up about two or three agreeing together. He doesn't want lone rangers in the kingdom. And can I remind you that lone ranger wasn't even alone. He had Tonto. How can you call somebody the lone ranger when he has a buddy? Right? What did Tonto call him? Kimasabi. Why do you even know that? That's horrible. All right, we'll move You can't have Lone Rangers. Lone Ranger wasn't even a Lone Ranger. We've got to have agreement, okay? Let's go to number 17. Kingdom authority brings healing. Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 8 says this. These 12, referring to the disciples, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then do this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely you give. This is a passage about kingdom authority. Now, not all of this applies today. The very first part. When he said, don't go among the Gentiles or the towns of the Samaritans. And if you're hearing that and you're thinking, why would, why would Jesus give them that instruction? You might recall that scripture said that first he was to be a light to Israel and then a light to the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, 
The Apostle Paul interpreted that verse the same way, and he always went to the Jews first in whatever community he was in. Thessalonica, Galatia, um, the Philippi, uh, excuse me, Philippi, wherever he went, he would always go to the Jew first before he would go to the Gentile until finally he had been rejected so many times. He's like, you know what? I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. That's where I'm headed. So we have biblical precedent that Jesus said, go first to the Jews. So don't go to the Gentiles and the Samaritans. After this first missions trip to their own people, then he releases them to go everywhere. Okay? So when he sent them, this is what he says. Here's your message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Notice that's in quotes. What did Jesus want them to preach? The kingdom of heaven has come near. What is the kingdom of heaven? When we think about heaven, if we're not careful, we'll think about a place, right? I want to see heaven. I want to go where mom and dad are. Well, not mom yet. Hopefully, eventually she will be. Not anytime soon, but you're following me, right? Dad's there. We want to go to heaven. We want to be with him, be with our loved ones. We want to be in heaven. But obviously, when they went to the lost sheep of Israel, physical heaven was no closer to those lost sheep than it was before they got there. Heaven is still wherever heaven is. But the kingdom of heaven had come near. You see, the Greek word for kingdom is basileia. Basileia refers to a scepter of authority. Um, if, if you see his king sitting on his throne, the throne looks great, but the authority doesn't come from the throne. The castle might be enormous, but the authority doesn't come from the castle. The authority comes from the bloodline, and it is exercised in the scepter that he is holding in his hand. How many remember the story of Esther when she was called by her family members on behalf of her nation to go before the king? But she said, the king hasn't called me for days. Weeks I haven't been called to the king's chamber. And if I go to him and he hasn't called me, if he doesn't raise the scepter, I'm dead. Her relative says, if you don't go, we're all dead. She said, well, then fast and pray three days. And if I perish, I perish. And after three days of fasting and prayer, she walks to the chamber, walks to the throne room where the king is seated on his throne, and she sticks her head around the corner, and he lifts the scepter. And that is instant pardon. Because if you're not called in, you don't deserve to lift. He pardoned her and brought her in with the scepter of authority. Basileia is the scepter of authority. Jesus said, this is what you need to preach. The authority of heaven has come near. And then you need to demonstrate it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near and demonstrate that the kingdom of heaven is near. Pastor Brett, I feel that I'm called into ministry. There it is. There's your call. He gave his disciples the authority. He has given us his authority. How many of you have been given a scepter of the authority of Christ? Oh, come on. Every hand needs to go up because we've all been given it. Now, I know some of us are a little more charismatic. And if I said right now, I want you to see that scepter in your hand. I want you to hold it up. And I want you to thank God for the authority of heaven. Some of you would love for me to do that right now. Some of you are like, please don't, please don't, please don't. I hate that stuff. I don't like to lift my hand. Like, please don't. Whether you like to lift it or not, you've got it. And if you've got it, you're supposed to exercise it. Listen, 
This isn't haughty. This is a promise from God's word. When I walk into a room, heaven's authority just walked in. And when you walk into a room, heaven's authority just walked in. The kingdom of heaven has come near. How could he tell them to say that? He wasn't even with them. He could tell them to say that because the authority was in them. The message, the kingdom of heaven is near. The mandate is to go ahead and to release that kingdom authority. Here's a thought. God doesn't give an actual kingdom, but he gives us the authority to create one in his name. When we talk about kingdom authority, we're not talking about him giving you a castle, even though I wouldn't be opposed to it if he would also pay the taxes, right? I would receive that gift if he'll cover the annual assessment. Can I get an amen? If he wants to do that and the air conditioning bill, that would be fine. But it's not about a castle. It's not about the treasury. It's about the scepter. How many of you would like to have a little bit more in your treasury? Okay. Okay. How, how many would like the, the castle to have a few repairs taken care of that you haven't been able to take care of yet? Okay, I get that. But whether your treasury is large or your castle has a hole in the sheetrock in the side room that's never been fixed yet. Your authority doesn't come from your treasury. Your authority doesn't come from the size of your home. Your authority comes from the scepter that God has given to every believer that's willing to accept it. Authority, healing, comes from the kingdom authority in our life. There are times you just take authority and you release it. You just take authority and you release it. I'm going to refer to Emma with this testimony. She has the authority of the kingdom within her. And part of dealing with that spirit of infirmity that was sent to her was her taking the authority of the Lord, speaking against that thing and demanding it to let go. We're talking about a young lady that didn't attend school for seven days straight because if she sat up for longer than an hour, couldn't take it, that is here cranking it out with our worship today because God is a healer and it's released through the authority of the kingdom. Okay? Kingdom authority brings healing. Next point. Are you getting something today? Okay, good. Thank the three of you. I appreciate that. Thanks for being a part of my support group. We used to call them Amen Corner people, but now we have, we have a support group. Number 18, giving what you've received brings healing. Giving what you've received brings healing. Look at Matthew 10, 8. It's the end of the, what we just read together. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. What did he say at the end? Freely you've received, freely give. Giving what you've received brings healing. There is a declaration of authority, and I know I'm splitting these up, but I'm splitting them up so that we can learn them better. There is kingdom authority, and I declare it, but there's also something that I can just give away. I'm going to illustrate it this way. I love being in the local church, and I enjoy being a pastor. And one of the things that I enjoy about being a pastor is some of the fun blessings that I get to see take place at times when people are going through a hardship. Uh, I've seen this happen a lot, especially at Christmas. I'll have people come up to me, hey, Pastor Brad, is there a family that's really in need right now that could use some help at the holidays or use some help at Christmas? I, there, we always know of a need. I'm like, yeah, there is. Or, hey, Pastor Brad, God really put this lady on my heart. 
and our family wants to bless her for Christmas, but we don't want her to know where the money came from. Would you be willing to give it? I mean, what am I going to say? No, please, don't use me for your generosity. You know, right? No, I say what anybody, any one of you would say. Yes, I would love to give. And they're like, I don't want them to know where it came from. Don't worry about it. For 25% handling fee, I won't tell anybody, <laughs> right? It's just between friends, 25% off the top. That's all I'm taking. No, I, I want you to know right now, there is a hot place in hell for pastors that take a handling fee when it comes to giving out donations. So your pastor does not take a handling fee, okay? We believe at Faith Chapel, we believe in the spirit of rounding up, all right? If it comes in, we round it up because we're not going to shortchange the generosity of God's people. Just not going to do it. But I've had this happen so many times, and, and here's kind of a typical response. You go to someone, you're like, hey, um, God put you on somebody's heart, and they wanted to bless you, and they've got this cash that they wanted me to give to you. Now, when the person gives me the money, I always ask them how much it is. You're like, well, great, you're nosy too. I am nosy because I want integrity and accountability. And if they tell me they're handing me $500, we look at it right then. I go, yep, that's $500 because there's accountability in that. Okay, I'm like, yep, that's 500. All right, I'm gonna give it to them. So we immediately know how much is being given. So I'll take it and I'll say, hey man, they wanted you to have this money. Now, lots of times people like kind of humble about it. But you know what? In 19 years of being in ministry, I've never had anybody turn it down. Never. Because God meets the needs of his people. And it's a lot of fun when I get to give a gift to someone and that person says, thank you, Pastor Brad. Thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome. I love giving you other people's money. <laughs> How many know it's easier to give other people's money? I want everybody, take the wallet. Guys, take your wallet out of your pocket. I want you to hand it to your neighbor and let them give the way they've always wanted to give, right? It's easier to give other people's money, okay? And if I don't carry cash, we'll take a debit. That's fine, whatever you need to do to make it happen. It's, it's the same way with healing. You can't give something away if you don't believe that you've received it. Pastor Brad, I'm no healer. I understand that you're not a healer, but at the same time, do you understand that you are a healer? Are you tracking with me yet? You have the ability to give every one of these things away. Because Jesus said, am I reading this correctly? Freely you have received. Received what? The ability to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. So freely you've received it, so give it. Give it. We had a prophetic word that took place in the early service. We had a, a message in tongues and an interpretation that took place in the second service today. I love it when God does those things. Now I'm just, Carrie gave us the interpretation to the message. She waited. Why did she wait? She wanted us all to sweat. She wanted us to wonder if anybody was going to step up. She wanted to see if Pastor Brad really could cover for her. If she, no. I'm, she, she's got her reasons. She's discerning. Lord, is this real? Are you wanting me to share this with everybody? Is this for everybody? Is it just for me? Whatever. Or he just dropped it at that moment and taught us a lesson in patience. Whatever it may be, he used her to give us an interpretation. Am I going to say in this moment that she has the gift of, the, of interpretation? Yes, because it's evidenced by the fact that she gave it. She gave an interpretation. Did the Holy Spirit give the interpretation? Yes, but he gave it to her, and then he gave it through her. 
He used a human voice to give us the word that he had for us. We didn't just sit here and all of a sudden hear God speak with his own audible voice and we all went, wow. He used someone to give an interpretation. And if she wouldn't have given it, we would have missed something that God had for us, which I think made what he had put on my heart so much more powerful when you go, oh my goodness, the Spirit's speaking the same word to the church. She gave an interpretation. I gave a word. We had a message of tongues that was given, okay? How did they give it? Because they had it to give. How am I able to hand anybody money at Christmas? Because somebody gave me money to hand away. You have this. Come on, would you just say this with me? I have this. I have the authority of the kingdom to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to drive out devils. Amen. We have that, and we can give it. Let's go to the last point. Last one I'm going to have for today. I had like seven more, but uh, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Giving what you've received brings healing. And number 19, receiving what you've been given brings healing. And once again, Matthew 10 8, freely you have received, freely give. It just makes sense that when we give something, somebody has to receive something. And I don't know all the ways that receiving works. Maybe it's just as simply as saying thank you. Maybe somebody, they know that you've been, you had a leg injury and they're praying over you and they're like, I bless you, that leg is healed in the name of Jesus. I give you healing. Maybe receiving is just instantly standing up to check it out. You could also say, well, Pastor Brad, that's part of a step of faith. And I guess all this spiritual stuff probably really flows together, doesn't it? I'm not sure what that looks like for you. Have you ever noticed that children open packages different ways? I mean, I, I, I was like one of those guys that if you gave me a gift, the package, the, all the paper just ripped and went everywhere. And it was kind of the culture of our family that by the time everything, how many of you at Christmas had the huge pile of paper in the middle, and then you feel guilty for not going green, but the huge pile of paper in the middle, and the little kids dive into it, and they pile it up, and they jump. If you've got enough wrapper that you can actually bounce on it, it's been an amazing Christmas. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And our culture was kind of rip, 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 but I've seen children that their culture is to work every little piece off that wrapper. I mean, every little bit of wrapper off of it, you can look and you can see what the toy is. They won't even go into the box until the rest of the tape is removed. How many of you have seen that happen before? We're different. Some of us, I don't even need to get the whole wrapper off. Just let me rip the box open. Yeah, baby, I want to get inside. Somebody else, very methodically, they're folding up the paper and they're going to save it because the depression might come again. Anybody have one of those grandmas that she ironed the gift wrapping paper for the next year, right? Take it, steam that. We're going to use that again next year. Grandma, I love that paper. We've been using it since you were born. I know I love the little baby rattle on it. It's fantastic. Thank you. I'm 37 now. Thank you so much. We're different. We receive a little bit differently. We do. And if somebody says, I'm giving healing to your leg, your inclination might be, I'm going to stand up and see that I've received it. Your inclination might be, okay, okay, all right. Well, and you're going to sit there and meditate on it for 30 minutes. 
You're going to be deliberate in the way that you think about it. I'm not exactly sure how this works for each of us, but I know this. Let's refer back to the Christmas example. I've never had anybody refuse the money. I've had people say, oh, Pastor, no, please. I, there must be other people in need. How many know there's always other people in need? But it doesn't mean that they don't want you to have this. And there's people I've had to talk to. I've had to say, well, obviously the Lord singled you out because he wanted to meet this need in your life. And I have a feeling the same God that wanted to meet your need, if you know about somebody else's, I have a feeling he's probably aware of that too. Oh, I just, I'm, I'm not worthy. Well, no doubt. This, we're not giving it to you because you're worthy. There's not a person in here that's worthy. Can I get an amen? That was pretty weak, guys. We're not worthy. <laughs> we receive it because he's generous and good, kind. Anybody else ever look at your life and the blessings on your life and go, I don't deserve any of this? He's, he's just so kind to me. So I've, we've always been able to see people receive what, God, what a person has for them. And I think we need to see that in the area of healing. So there's our healing verses today. The power of agreement brings healing. Basilia, the scepter of kingdom authority brings healing. Giving what you've received brings healing. And receiving what you've been given brings healing. How much longer are we going to be on this series? We're going to be on it till we hit all the verses that we're supposed to hit. Because we need healing, and we need to release healing. 